It's the Andy Thompson Show on ESPN 97.7. We welcome in our guy Jake Hatch from Locked On Cougars, also DJ and PK up on 1280 The Zone. How's it going, Jake? Doing well, guys. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing good, man. A tough weekend for BYU. There's a lot to discuss. The first thing I want to ask you is Kalani's first thing that he said after after the after watching tape today was there's a lot of positives or uh, how did he put it, Jake? Because it was basically there's a lot of things that gets me excited about this next week based on the film. But this is the worst film anybody has has ever seen, right? I mean, so yeah. so tell me about uh, your reaction to what Coach Satake said today. I think the biggest thing is he's trying to inject some confidence into his guys. He was pretty down on his team Saturday night. If you be listening to that post-game press conference, yeah. you could tell that he was hurting a little bit. And obviously, I think he was trying to inject some positivity into the conversation today via the media. We all know that. Any of you, I guess I'm pulling back the curtain a little bit for some of your listeners. When coaches talk to the media, they're talking to their players in a roundabout way. Sure. I think he was just trying to inject some positivity and uh, motivate his guys a little bit. Uh, it will remain to be seen if that actually plays out and if it works. Yeah, there, there's a balance between that. You know, every head coach has got to balance this, which is speaking to the mm-hmm. players, keeping their confidence, but also, you know, wanting to uh, take accountability for the fans' sake who are pulling their, their hair out, right? That's got to be one of the biggest challenges yeah. for any coach. Yeah, and I, I think that's absolutely something that Kalani's dealing with right now because this is a guy, he's talked about it often. He grew up a BYU fan, was lucky enough to play for the legendary Lavelle Edwards. It was one of his dreams growing up to play for the BYU football program. And he's as honored as anybody to be the head coach of this football program. And I think he feels a lot of the pressure to deliver for the fans as much as he does to deliver for himself and even his players. So, yeah, I think he's he's feeling uh, the pressure. He's hearing all the noise outside. He's trying to insulate his guys from that at the same time. But he's got to understand that, hey, when you lose three straight, and especially in the fashion they've lost these three games, yeah, there's going to be a lot of people that are not very happy about how things are looking. And, you know, it's funny because I talk a lot, Jake, about expectations before the season and people saying, hey, five wins, six six wins is a grand slam. But then when you're in the thick of it going through these losses, you know, I guess that you lose that perspective sometimes about going into the season. Where What do you think about that, I guess, now at this point in the season, kind of yeah. benchmarking it against what you thought in the, in the preseason, what, what they could do? Well, it's almost they're a victim of their own success because this is a BYU football program that hit four and one record before they hit their bye week, and yeah. then all of a sudden since that bye week they're one and four and they're they're struggling. Now, I guess like you have mentioned, they, the schedule is not kind. It's the toughest schedule BYU's ever played. But like I said, you, when you roll out a four and one record and at one point you're five and two, it felt inevitable they were going to see if they could uh, pick up a sixth win and go bowling. But suddenly you're looking like you'd absolutely hit the skids and more likely than not at this juncture to say that they're probably going to go five and seven and miss out on the postseason. I think that's what most people are upset about is that it looked almost inevitable. They were going to make it to a six and six record at minimum year one. Now it's looking like they're going to lose out the back half of the schedule and, it's got nobody feeling very good about how things are looking in Provo. Have you have you gotten a good answer? Has anybody asked uh, a question and gotten a good answer about the cleat problem that BYU had? I know it's gone crazy on social media and stuff like that, yeah. and how, how much they were slipping and sliding, but has anybody answered that question satisfactorily? Well, yeah, funny you should ask. I actually asked that question to Kalani during his press conference today, and uh, anybody who wants to listen to it, just look it up. It's actually the last question of the entire press conference. Wow. He In the post-game press conference, he talked about the fact that he felt there might have been some body positioning that was causing some of the slippage. But he, he did say today, after rewatching, he said, 
We had too many athletes, too many good athletes have good po- body position that were slipping in that game. He said that we've got some things we're going to try and uh, rem- uh, remediate that issue and obviously fix it. He says we've got a good partner in Nike that we're looking into, into all of this. Aaron Roderick on their coordinator's corner show said that they're working on a few things to ensure that doesn't happen again. Uh, I would imagine that there was a, a nice talking to given to the BYU equipment staff yeah. to say, hey, you guys need to be on top of this because, yeah, it's unacceptable that even in pregame warm-ups, guys were slipping and they, and they didn't make any changes seemingly to fix that issue. I might be in the minority, Jake. I love college football teams that still have grass. BYU, one of the you know few remaining holding on, even Notre Dame's sure. going to the turf. Um, I love the grass, but is there, you know, do you think there is going to be a plan eventually for, for BYU to follow the, the trend of going artificial? I, 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 I can see why they might consider it, but I think the conversation right now you're seeing in the NFL, they're talking about maybe forcing all NFL teams eventually to go back to playing. Yeah, exactly. Draft. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the BYU is going to hold out as long as they possibly can. I think they take a lot of pride in having one of the true uh, grass uh, fields in, in a northerly climb. Like there's a lot of SEC programs that have natural grass, but BYU is in a cold weather market, and right. all those cold weather markets, as you mentioned, North, Notre Dame and the like, have gone to the to the turf because. It's easy to maintain and all that. I think BYU has taken a lot of pride in having that natural grass field, and I think they will continue to uh, try and fix whatever issues pop up here and there, but I do think that they are committed to keeping grass as long as possible. This game reminded me of, you know, kind of the Liberty game last year um, where it was just like, holy cow, these guys are, you know, they're uh, throwing a swing pass and it's going 70 yards or whatever. What's going on with this defense who seemingly – uh, for, for, to a certain point in the season, Jake was like, "Oh, it's gotten a lot of lot better instantly. Um, still not great, but a lot better than last year." What is your? I know it's all speculation, but your read on this this team? Just kind of the story last year was giving up on the coaching staff. Are you seeing hints of that? Just with another kind of bad performance uh, this week, especially at home. Well, the, the post-game press conference, there was a big quote uh, a bunch to do made of Kalani saying that the guys weren't trusting in the system, especially defensively. Yeah. And I, you, I, you rewatch that film, and yes, there are guys trying to freelance out there and cover up for other players. I think the biggest thing is these players, when things aren't going right, they're reverting back to how they were operating, as you mentioned, during that 2022 season against Liberty and the like. Yeah. When you'd see guys all of a sudden like almost uh, making up their own play on the fly and trying to just make that big play. I think they've in some ways reverted back to that. I think the messaging, at least from what I've heard from Kalani today, is guys trust what we're doing here. Have trust that your teammates are going to do their job. But he talks about having to, having their guys do their 111th. Yeah. Uh, and I think a big part of that is go- is building that trust and having those guys remember, hey, you guys had moments early on this season against the likes of Arkansas where this defense has worked. Trust it. And it, it, it's easy to think, okay, I'm going to go make a big play because these are young men who, are, who think that they're all that, and for good reason, because you don't become a college football player without that self-belief and yeah. having that type A personality. But they do have to have a little bit of that, that trust factor re-injected to them. I think that the coaching staff today is kind of reminding the, reminding the guys saying, hey, we know what we're doing here. We have a proven track record of this defense working at multiple football programs. Let's get it going here, trust in it, and eventually it is going to click and it's going to work. You talk a lot about making a big play, especially on that defensive side of the ball. If we flip it over to the offense, we know it's been a it's been a little while since BYU's made big plays on the offensive side of the football. Thirteen points against Iowa State, seven yeah. against West Virginia. You you, you know the routine. Uh, what what do you think going into the game against Oklahoma? What do they do at the quarterback spot? Does it matter at this point? Uh, do, are you leaning in any, any particular direction? 
Well, based on just the performance against Iowa State, you'd be very tempted to go right back to Keaton Slovis, but all the comments from Aaron Roderick and Kalani Satake today essentially indicate that he is not still 100% in terms of his recovery from... He was injured, as they mentioned, uh, uh, the, the injury has knocked him out, I guess I should say, happened against Texas late in that game, and it's got him on the shelf since then. Now, uh, it is going to be a learning process for a kid like Jake Retzloff. We all know that. So I just think you just stick with Jake Retzloff, and you're going to have to let him play through this. He's going to benefit from the fact he's getting these reps and going up against the likes of Oklahoma. There's nobody really bigger that you can go up against and get uh, legit looks at top-shelf top competition. So, yeah, he's probably going to struggle, and you are a 20, last I saw, was 24-point underdog. Uh, in this home game as a home team. So it's not a good situation to be stepping into, but I think at this juncture, yeah, you just play Jake Retzloff and say, you know what, we're taking the bad with the good, and the hope is that down the road, maybe as soon as next season, he morphs into the quarterback you believe he can become. If BYU goes on to lose as, you know, they're going to be underdogs in the next two games, they got to go to mm-hmm. Stillwater their last game, Jake. Yeah. What do you foresee as far as, look, last year in 2022 when the defense was bad, they made a change and, you know, Kalani went and got a guy. If if they lose these next two games, do you see, and I know it's all up in the air and anything can happen, but where do you lean as far as with specifically Aaron Roderick as the play caller? I think that Aaron Roderick gets a pass, uh, at least for this season. I, 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 that may be pie in the sky from my perspective, but this is a guy not too long ago, he's put two quarterbacks into the NFL, and yeah. there'd be some that argue, well, maybe their quarterbacks that transcend what Aaron Roderick was doing. Okay, great. It, it's, the, it's the egg and the, the, sure, the, the sure. chicken analogy. I, I do think there will be some changes on the offensive staff, maybe underneath Aaron Roderick, but I do think that it's just the, the nature of this, of, of this world in college football when you don't get the type of results you expect, well, guess what? You've got to do some things to change it up. And they've had quite a bit of continuity on that offensive staff since Aaron Roderick took over as the offensive coordinator. So they may need to stir it up, bring a, another, a new assistant or two into this program just to shake things up a little bit, and we'll see. But I, I do think that Aaron Roderick, from my perspective, his job is safe for, uh, for at least this year. Now, if you go out there and have another offensive output, which is historically low, like they're putting up this yeah. season next year, I think that's when you start to have that conversation. And then lastly, Jake, I talked about this at the beginning of my show today um, about where BYU is positioned NIL-wise. And I know that this has been talked about a lot before the season, but I was kind of getting into it thinking, man, this this is a new era of college football where you can transcend your restrictions, you know, if you're a private school, if you're a religious school or whatever, and honor code and that type of thing, if you have money. And it seems to me like BYU could do a much better job than what they currently, I know they got Coop Connect in the Royal Blue, you know, collective and stuff like that. But where, what is your opinion about where BYU's NIL is now and what it needs to get to, to be competitive for vying for a big 12 championship, let's say. Uh, I do think that they're efforting. I will say that, like you mentioned, Coop, uh, Coop Connect, as well as the Royal Blue Collective, which is the preferred one. That's the one the university has endorsed, but both of them are trying to do their best to help BYU out. Could they be doing more? Yes, I think you always can be doing more. But the biggest thing for me is you got to get some of the people in terms of uh, the BYU leadership. Now, I know that NIL is, a, is supposed to be completely separate from the university, right. but the NCAA rules allow you to essentially uh, endorse these collectives. Well, BYU could do a lot better in terms of endorsing the collectives and telling their fans, getting mm. the out there, that if you guys truthfully want to compete, if, you, if we want to compete at the highest level as, you, as the fan base wants BYU to compete, 
We need an injection of cash, and the way to do that is to support these collectives. I, I don't think that messaging has gotten out wide enough, and it needs to come from the university level. Uh, that's a great point, and I, I completely agree. Jake Hatch, you hear him on DJ and PK every day, also daily on Locked on Cougars. Make it your first listen every day to uh, get the best of BYU football. Two games left. Jake, thanks so much for making time for us, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Absolutely. Thanks, guys.